You are listening to Awaken ADHD, a podcast where people share their ADHD stories, life before and after diagnosis, support strategies, strengths and challenges. Hi, I'm Jade and I'll be your host. I'm a counsellor, ADHD coach and fellow ADHDer. So join me as we awaken ADHD. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and we wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. We recognise First Peoples of Australia as the original storytellers and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Alrighty, welcome back. I'm here with Amy. Amy is a 39-year-old mum of two boys, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and her partner is James. She's been with him for 10 years. Uh, She works in the court services of Victoria for 13 years, initially in drug and alcohol case manager for people on a bail restorative justice program, and now she's at the Children's Court managing a wonderful support service and program there. And she really enjoys this space of trauma-informed care with people in the justice system. She says it's her jam. (laughs) She's currently completing her social work degree and her ADHD hyperfixation drive is uh, part of that. <laughs> so welcome, Amy. That's that's a lot happening for you. Yes, of course. Is there any other way? <laughs> no, it's all or nothing, right? Correct. Yes. So that sounds like an interesting role to try and juggle mm. with, you know, family life. Yes. Well, as you are probably the same, it is, you know, I need to be doing 25 things at once. Um, I started studying before I was aware of any ADHD diagnosis or anything about any of it and what it meant. Um, But I realise now in hindsight, it absolutely was a a hyperfixation. I just said, I'm doing this right now. It's happening. Took on way more than I should have. Um, You know, I'm working and I have children. I should have been doing part-time. And I tried, I said, "Mm, don't do it, Amy. Don't do one more, you know, don't do another subject than you can handle. Don't do it. You will regret it. And of course I did it. And then you did it. She did. <laughs> well done. And then there's the the stress and the just the, you know, the cramming last minute and it's all I've ever known. It's, I don't, you know, I don't plan things. I think about them. They're in my head. I never sit down and take the however long, six weeks, eight weeks that you get for an assessment. I do it a week. Last minute. I sort of maybe start the cover page a week before <laughs> and then I – yeah, do about the night before. So dive right in. Great. Yeah. Yes. Right. Do you want to share a little bit about when you you said you started the degree and you didn't mm. know? Share a little bit about when you kind of awakened to ADHD in in yourself. Yeah, I think it's going to be very similar to a lot of women. Um, you know, I'm, I'll focus on women and my experience. Um, of late, it was social media. That, um, that awakened it to me. So I knew I had, well, I didn't know, I have anxiety. I've had it my whole life, symptoms of ex- anxiety. I've had all these symptoms which I just constantly related back to anxiety and I never really process it too much. I just said, oh, anxiety, it's, it's the luck of the draw or the bad luck of the draw who gets it. And I've had it since I was in primary school and insomnia and everything else. So anxiety's always been with me and then sort of just from social media and it's starting to become the ADHD in women starting to (laughs) 
be all over media, social media, even the radio and, and everything else. And, you know, I'd be listening to it. And, and obviously I'm right in that age group. I would have been 38 and, you know, turning 39 and where it's all coming out. And, uh, you know, I have followed a few people on Instagram and they're very, you know, similar to me. So they're quite outgoing, confident, creative and whatever else and they started talking about their diagnosis or their journey to it everything they're saying is like oh okay that's oh that's me that oh I take that I that and I was like oh my god like little light bulb oh yeah major light bulb I was like oh my god I am like textbook I had the childhood of you know she's just she's lazy she's forgetful she doesn't apply herself completely under the radar at all times I was you know a below an average student when I'm 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 not I'm I'm it didn't really make sense I knew that I was intelligent maybe maybe slightly above average I knew that I was academic and when I produced that work that you know that it'd be only one or two things not it wasn't consistent across the board and only be occasionally and it'd be one thing that I could focus and produce this amazing work right so you could kind of hyper fixate on one thing do really Mm. well at that Mm. but then other things you just didn't attend to it and get to or weren't interesting so you didn't do them you know I, I try so hard to like study or be this be this thing that people expected me to be given my kind of qualities like my head would just start to drift off somewhere else constantly I would try and read a paragraph in a in a psych book that I would gen you know genuinely be interested in and I just tried I remember it and I remember thinking I can only do one thing so I'm just going to focus on psychology and everything else is just going to have to I'll just wing it in exams and stuff or wing assessments and I just you know kind of either went under the radar or I have good just general good sort of grammatical skills and able to basically fake it until I made it fake it until you make it right so when you were in your earlier years you were kind of that if only she tried more if only she paid attention sort of kid oh yeah you know she has potential lazy daydreamer has so much potential doesn't apply herself and I was like oh okay it's weird because I don't feel lazy but I guess I am when I do this stuff I'm really good but I don't really want it to do it all the time and then this is distracting me and this is distracting me and I guess I'm just not smart so I'm not going to be able to go to uni it's too stressful and I can't handle stress like other people clearly other people can handle stress my peers can handle stress and are going to uni and doing all these doing assessments and putting them on time and reading them and understanding them and I was like wow, I always thought I'd be an academic, but I guess I'm not. That piece where you said, oh, I didn't feel lazy, but I guess Mm. I am. Yeah. And if they say, like, I thought I was smart, Mm. but I guess I'm actually not. Correct. God, isn't that heartbreaking? Yeah. Like to reflect back on? Yeah. I don't allow myself to reflect too much on it because I haven't allowed myself at all. I'm definitely suppressing those thoughts. It's validating now because I'm like, ah, I I am intelligent. I can produce this amazing work. I'm producing really consistent good work in this social work degree. Right. Um, I have and and I'm not lazy, and I never have been lazy, and I never was. I just appeared outwardly lazy because I'd be daydreaming, dragging my feet. Hated going like 
mall shopping like all my friends would or my mum would to buy me a dress. It was a nightmare. It was like the minute I would step in the doors, I'd feel fatigued. I know now it's sensory overload, overstimulated. Mm -hmm. I can't stand, I can't stand being around people. I just needed headphones and probably sunglasses and all that kind of stuff decisions mum's like what about this what about this and I'm like oh I don't know just that one I don't care I don't care you know yeah. and that was oh Amy you know you're being difficult or yeah because I'd be dragging my feet come on you know don't be lazy not to put any of my parents are amazing it's just funny so all that resonated it was just like oh and that was the moment that awakened you know a lot of that stuff I was just ticking and then I realized through my sorry this is what I do ADHD so throughout my life I was like oh my god like I'm so impulsive I'm such an oversharer I interrupt people and I thought I was none of those things I thought I would just get I thought it was all anxiety just manic and then down but the you know everything's so much clearer now where I get hyper fixated on things and it's my entire life's purpose to do whatever this thing is. And then I'm literally after however long it is, I'm like, no, nah, I don't care. <laughs> to laugh. It's like, it's my life purpose. It, it uh, literally. now. Yes. And I'm not <laughs> kidding. I know. I'm literally I know. like, I feel every rage in my body if it's a social justice thing or fighting for a local park or fighting for something. And I'm like, this is everything. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to meet this person. I do all this stuff. And then it, it's literally, I just don't care anymore. Isn't that interesting though? Yeah, what did you used to think about that part of you? Oh, that I was a complete weirdo and that I was a joke of a human. Are you actually genuinely interested in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a flake. Right. I, I'm a flake. I don't know what I'm going to be, who I am. I'm weird. I'm a bit weird. It was a, a big one. I'm just very, very weird and strange and feeling weird and strange for you know you, you're saying your diagnosis wasn't until you're like 38 Plus, 39 yeah. Or, yeah. right mm. how did that affect you through your life I guess I felt unable to sort of where I was going to fit in in life I was unsure I guess because of my ADHD I've always been confident and had fun and been bubbly so I've had a lot of friends a lot of loving friends and you know good supports and good adventures and things kind of would just keep it internal like lots of insecurity lots of imposter syndrome I don't really have any of that stuff now that I understand what I have wow yeah a lot less I'm a lot more um guess just feeling weird was just like I'm just weird and I would keep it inside myself and keep it internal I would overshare a little bit probably choose a couple of safe people that I would um, be my true, really weird self. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't really thought about how it affected me thinking that I, yeah. It's interesting though. One of my, one of my questions was, you know, how has the diagnosis made a difference? And just hearing you say mm. I, that no longer affects me in that way, that sounds like that's one of the differences it's made in your life. I know what it is now <laughs> like I, mm -hmm. I know why I'm like this like I understand it better and also medication now especially with work has helped a lot I understand why I'm like I am why I 
have felt I'm honestly just very weird the way I think and do things the flakiness which is really hyper fixation and sort of giving up quickly on things and not being able to handle stress I I know what that all is now (laughs) Um, and then the related anxiety and stuff but I guess just knowing it and understanding those symptoms and understanding how my attention is is not great and so really trying to be mindful of that and I kind of am aware I'm just more mindful of it of me oversharing I'm like that's that's a part of my kind of neurodivergent brain and I'll say I'll either say oh I won't ever share that and people are I'm almost like relieved <laughs> or I'll, <laughs> I'll stop myself. Does the medication for you make an impact there? So I've heard people say, mm. you know, now when I've, you know, had the medication, the difference is that yep. when I'm in a social setting, yep. all the stories are still inside me, yep. but I don't necessarily have the impulse to share them as much. I can, I cannot mm. share. I use them mainly for work. So it it focuses me and calms me. So I guess as a result of all that, I I wouldn't take them if I was just going out with my girlfriends for lunch Mm -hmm. or in a social setting. So to be honest, I haven't really um, tried them out from that perspective. Um, From a sort of study and work perspective, they've been phenomenal. I can now, which blows my mind, and again, it makes me amazed that I've gotten this far in life I can read an email from beginning to end now that that can we just pause there because this (laughs) is this is huge right and this is what people don't understand right I can read an email from start to finish I can open the mail when it comes in from the letterbox yeah and then I can action it action it what tasks done do the task the, and actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. The email, the email thing blows my mind. To open an email and read it from start to finish, whereas, and read it and take it in and either action it or whatever. And before it is like, oh, um, okay, open it, go straight to the bottom. Wait, no, skim it, close it. I'll deal with that another time. Wait, what was that? I'll go into it. Okay, I'll read it. I'll read from the bottom paragraph. That doesn't make sense. I, I'll go back again. Open it again. I didn't know other people read it in different <laughs> orders like I do. <laughs> never, never from A to, to B, never. Uh, so back and then I'd be like that and then I'd go up and I'd be like, skim, 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 skim a few words. Okay, shut it again. And so it's never ordered, is it? It's, yeah. like, it's like it's poison. It's like get away from me. <laughs> yeah, it's like With hot potatoes. Yeah, I'm just like shut that down. Oh, Wow. There's this wonderful guy at work who shares um, data and stuff and it's like all these colours and pie graphs and I cannot look at it. It's like all this different order and I'm just like, I- I'm not getting anything. I-, I can't, but well done. Yeah, it's it's not making sense to me and it hurts me to look at. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time I speak to another neurodivergent individual, I have another moment of going, you too? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know somebody else read their emails with such chaotic <laughs> emails are poison. And then I do the thing, you might do this too, is because I'm not ever, I mean, now with meds I am, but this I'm 39. I've only had meds for a year. Not even, I don't know when they started, but I never read anything properly ever. So I would never have the correct information when I was going any to, to a meeting or given instructions or even a social thing, 
my own child's birthday party. I <laughs> I'm laughing. She can see me laughing with the recognition. <laughs> was we had a joint one with my lovely friend and uh, she said, why don't we do it at this place? I said, great. You know, the less I do, the better. It has this jumping house. was great. I think I said, we'll do our own cakes. I'll, I'll get the balloons. And when you get the invoice, we'll just have it. Great. Glanced at the invitation because I don't take any information in. I knew mm-hmm. the date. I think I knew the time. And I've done this in the last six months twice. I have made up the address. I have made it up. So she told me one thing several times, clearly. And it was on the invitation and I took myself off to a completely with my children for my own son's birthday party with the balloons to another building that was completely empty. And then I said, as I was driving in and my husband deals with me on a daily basis and I was like, wow, there are no cars here. <laughs> I said, I wonder, I wonder if I've filled in the blanks with my own so I always Uh, fill in the blanks but here it is right now you know that you fill in the blanks that when it does happen you go hmm maybe I've done that thing again where I didn't (laughs) read it I will check a time over and over and over again and Mm. still make up a different time in my head (laughs) still I'll go it's one o'clock it's one o'clock it's one o'clock on Wednesday and I'll go it's two o'clock on Tuesday for sure (laughs) yeah and I'll swear by it Mm -hmm. yeah I, I had I set up a meeting with this wonderful woman who's a professor who I admire and has like published works and she deigned to meet me and I also just shut up because I didn't have meds before I met her to think about the hysteria that I was presenting but like the manicness you know and I said how about we meet at Burke and Wills at 12 see you there like that was it you know information gone 12 o'clock Burke and Wills, that's a funny way to say meeting at the corner of Burke Street and William Street. You just created a story in your head. Wow, like people are different and she's saying Burke and Wills for the corner. And then I get there and I'm like, hmm. And then now that I think about it, Burke and Wills was like blue and linked in the email. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't think anyone says Burke and Wills for the corner of Burke and William Street. And I'm like messaging her and I'm like, I'm at the corner of Burke and Wills. And she's like, it's a cafe, Burke and Wills. I linked it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll come and meet you. And she's like, stay there. I'll come and find you. And yeah, it's safer. You just stay put. <laughs> I'll find you. <laughs> that stuff my entire life. But now it makes sense to you, right? Yes. Now yes. you're no longer, oh, I'm yes. just a daft weirdo. Yes. And I can back up myself when people or family are like oh you know rolling is it compassion for it now oh yeah yeah you're not hard on yourself no so when I started on this journey of doggedness to get the diagnosis which was also a hyperfixation Mm, back to question one which I haven't (laughs) quite finished asking Thank you for that segue. <laughs> when it was, um, and when it was taking too long, I also was like, oh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> but um, mm. I, my friend said to me, what would it mean for you to get this diagnosis? And I, or what would you do differently or something? And I said, I would just be kinder to myself because I'm really hard on myself. Really hard. I want everybody <laughs> listening to just hear that. Yeah. What would I do differently with the diagnosis if the only thing that we do differently Mm. is be kind to ourselves, stop beating ourselves up, change the story. You're so dumb. Why didn't you get more organised? Why didn't you read that properly? Why can't you handle these people? Why are you drinking 
so much and to go out or what, you know. I got goosebumps, you know, mm. just hearing that and feeling that and my mm. own version of it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm 45 and I only got mm. diagnosed you know, a year ago, if that. Mm. So, you mm. know, living with that story for such a long time, such a relief to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Now I know why I'm like this. And bloody hell, how far have we gotten? I think I messaged someone who had it on Instagram and she said, congratulations, you've done life on hard mode. Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Life in hard mode. Mm. Fighting upstream, fighting against ourselves. Yeah. Just a a complete battle from early childhood, those symptoms, Mm -hmm. all the way through school, unable to do uni and then you you berating yourself and you're weird and you can't sleep and you're hyper fixated on things and you can't stop thinking and you're like just it's torture like just turn your brain off and there's no treatment apart from just the meds like during the day great like what's going to help me at night you know I am hyper fixating on conversations I also have a song in my head I'm also drawing things at my head at the same time like no wonder I'm exhausted and no Mm. wonder I appeared lazy as a kid because I was exhausted this is constant Mm -hmm. every night just thought it was weird but like I can write in perfect cursive words backwards Mm -hmm. whilst I was doing that or I'm clicking my nails and hearing it putting it up to my uh, ears to hear it whilst I've got a song whilst I'm doing shapes in my head and whilst I'm having a conversation or you know and I've got all this sensory Mm -hmm. stuff like I can't stop and that's skill that's my whole life that's that internal hyperactivity that's what people don't see right is this internal Internal. they're like oh but you look you look fine I'm so well presented I get far in life because of my interpersonal skills likable sort of nature but inside the GP that I saw when I started on the journey to get the diagnosis she she's lovely but one of the questions she asked was something like like, are you hyper do you move a lot I'm like well Mm. now I would say yeah my brain is insane it's constantly moving Mm-hmm. But I was like, um, you know, not really. So she was. You move on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> but she even had that outdated yep. understanding of it, you mm. know, can't sit still. You know, there's an element to that. But but it doesn't present that way for everybody. No. So I'm the combined type. I'm, mm. I'm a mover. We were recently on holidays and I hadn't had medication. Mm. And I said to my husband, look at my leg. It's going again. <laughs> I forgot what it was like to oh, have really? my leg constantly bouncing yeah. and how peaceful it's been. Oh, yeah. It's like I've been sitting here still in front of you yeah. for, you know, for quite a period of time yeah. now. I haven't moved. I haven't bumped apart from playing with my pen. Mm. That's a lot yeah. for, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. And what peace and calm that would bring, my God. Right. And so you've got the, yeah. in, you know, and I've got the internal as well, yes. but it's the same. Mm. Your leg is not bouncing on the inside, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly. The internal motor. Yeah, mm. so I can be like I am every night, laying down flat in the dark, quiet, and it is loud and noisy and hyper. So night. sleep is still really hard for you. How do you manage that? Yep. Well, it's been my whole life, so um, sometimes it's really distressing. I try and do 
mindfulness and, you know, read books before bed and minimise, you know, just keep a good routine. And Well, you don't just do the death scroll like the rest of us. <laughs> no, no. I do that most evenings but yeah, not yeah. in bed, not before yeah, no, bed, not good. while I'm in bed. Good. Because it doesn't help. No, no. So I love my books. I love reading. So I'm quite happy to just read and read and read and read. Are you just reading novels? Just novels, yeah. Fiction, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Weirdly, I was thinking about that. I was like, gee, I can read books though. I certainly read sentences over and over again and have to, you know, stop my mind and go back. And I certainly like I'll read about a blue cafe and then I'll start thinking about the time I went to a blue cafe and who I met there and but then I'll say stop bring it back so that still happens with that still happens yeah I think that's common especially when Mm. you know an entertaining book we can get caught in because we're pretty good at visualizing the story and getting caught in it yeah so reading for pleasure yes reading for pleasure is great yeah, if I sit down to read mm. a psychology book, no matter mm. how fascinated I am, I found the only way I can do it is audio and I need oh, yeah. to be moving my body at the same time. So yeah. now it's all all my books are now on Audible, which I yeah. miss having all I haven't of done the that yet. Yeah. beautiful psychology books. But if I yeah. can move mm. and take in the information, yeah. which we know, you know, research suggests it. You know, a lot of ADHDers need to move to, mm-hmm. to process. I try and sometimes just reading out loud helps me if I'm reading textbook. A colleague of mine did a Churchill fellowship on, um, you know, something about uh, infants and young people and child protection system. And I'm really interested in it, but I still have to kind of read it out loud to, mm. you know. Not to absorb just- it to absorb it, to properly absorb it. And and it's the only way. And I'll go back and I'll go back to the start of the sentence and I'll go back and I'll go back and then I'll keep reading out loud. And that that helps. That um, helps. That's a great mm. that's a great t- mm. tip. You know, when mm. I was doing my ADHD um, coaching training, mm. one of the things that they mentioned is, you know, when you you walk around and you're not sure what you've done. Maybe it's taking your medication or yeah. putting yeah. something in a drawer or saying it out loud as you do it oh okay yeah that's a good idea plants it there i'm taking my medication now i'm right which is the same as what you're doing when you're reading your book right you're being present to it it's mindfulness for adhd right saying it out loud yes i am putting Yes, my husband's watch in the third drawer. Oh, that's a really. <laughs> so good when idea. he says, "Did you see my watch?" Yeah, no, yeah, no, I've never seen it, never touched it <laughs> ever in my life. No. Why is it in the third drawer? No idea. <laughs> I know it made so much sense. So it made so much sense, and I told myself I would remember it for, till the rest of time, and then I immediately forgot it. Because yes. we put things in special places as well. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> It's ridiculous, yeah. the special places of things, and then never see them. I never do not know. see them again. But I'm like, I know, I know it's in a good special place. It's, it is safe <laughs> from us um, ever moving it again. <laughs> but I have found that the saying things out loud, I am mm. doing this right now. Yes. Okay. Actually, I can go, oh, yes. yeah, I did do that. I remember yeah. doing it. I remember saying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that would really help, especially yeah. with my medication at night. I am taking my medication because I have other meds. Mm-hmm. My medication now. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All righty. So I think even though I haven't asked any questions, mm. I feel like mm. 
we got through all the questions. Look at that. <laughs> Magic. It just happened. I'm not surprised. <laughs> we went on that journey. How did it show up? How has it made a difference? How do you relate to it? How has it helped and hindered strengths and struggles? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we probably, we probably covered I mean, all that's of that stuff. pretty standard for an adhd as well, isn't it? Just the free flow that kind of covers everything and then connects to this and this and that's why I got that and, you know, it's mm. I'm not surprised at all. The one little piece I want to I want to ask is I, I heard that you were saying the journey to diagnosis. There was a point where you're like, "Meh, I'm going to give up. This is too hard." What was what was it actually like? Was it hard? Were you on lots of wait lists? Did you? No, no? it was. Um, it was a psychiatrist that diagnosed me, but um, he has really good experience in it and he's seen me twice now. And I wasn't like it's too hard. I was just like I just got over it. The fixation. I was just like, eh, whatever. I know I've got it. Um, but my GP was amazing. She actually said, no, we're not going to give up. So she tried one referral. Yeah, there was wait lists. One referral said, we can't even see you, like, just come back in next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then she tried another one because that's when I started to be like, oh, what am I doing? And then they actually had a really short wait list. I booked in with them and it went really well. Um, so... That's my GP was awesome. She was really, really awesome and positive and that's fabulous. What I what I love about that is the first thing you said is when I said, How did you awaken to it? You said mm. social media. Yeah. And what I'm he- and of course that's fabulous, right? Because mm. it is becoming out, you know, more prominent. We're spreading the word and we're we're sharing this new information. People's lives are being changed because of it what I'm hearing a lot out there is I went to my GP mm. and my GP said, uh, TikTok trend, hey, just yeah. jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. Which is so damaging. Mm. One of my young um, clients, just an early teen, had that mm. from mm. the GP. Lucky mm. her parent is a mm. very strong advocator and didn't tolerate that. But, yes, well, so what if it was social media? <laughs> if it's social media that says, here are the here are the symptoms for mm. diabetes or breast cancer. Mm. Mm. Then yeah. you're like, oh, which I'm also paying attention to. <laughs> actually, I have those symptoms. Maybe I have breast cancer. Oh, actually, yeah. you do. We yeah. need awareness. That's what campaigns are for. Yeah. And if social media is a platform for mm. sharing, especially when the the diagnostic lens is still skewed to that mm. naughty bouncy little boy, mm. if we've got social media showing real life. Uh, examples that are relevant to us Mm. then that's that's awesome as you said they're all you know they're skewed to that outdated kind of naughty little boy thing and that's a comment on the medical system you know if we're not getting it from them we have to get it from somewhere Somewhere we're gonna get it from a really positive group of women on social media who are doing it all before us so we can go on and you know do it easier and it's It's fabulous do you mm. feel like you have a bit more of a radar for it now yeah, do you meet yeah. people ah <laughs> yeah. oh, I yeah, see yeah. you you're shiny yeah. and sparkly yeah, and yeah. definitely I'm like oh I, I work with another woman I'm like oh you've got ADHD and she's like oh no I'm not going to get tested because I need I need all this I need all this to do a do a job that kind of manic energy yeah. and they're doing so many things at once and she yeah. you know she doesn't want to <laughs> but there's a there's a fondness when somebody is there oh. and I'm like oh 
I like oh. you. I know why I like you now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's so true that being attracted to people like that, like I always liked um, Tegan from afar because she's, quotation marks you don't see, different, left to centre. She was intelligent and bubbly and interesting and confident and different and not like the cookie cutter beige that a lot of other people are. And then when we connected and things resonated over my experience and hers and now she's probably one of the only people that I can be my full ND self and we can just say the stupidest things or just go off and we won't I said we never apologize to each other we don't ever second guess afterwards yeah yeah yeah. like she said recently oh you know I started think you don't like me anymore that you know that yeah that's silly you know that kind of stuff we don't do that with each other we know and fabulous I had to cancel you know catch up with her recently I said I'm not going to mask with you I'm just going to tell you I'm not in a good place and I just don't have the energy to even just sit next to you in silence let alone you know Mm -hmm. anything else whereas someone else I would have said I was sick and you're not going to mask that I love that not yeah and and I I borrow now her neuro spicy oh yeah (laughs) yeah I love it (laughs) Yes. Is there anything else you want to share before we finish up? Let's just say, yeah, Nero Spicy is the most fun, isn't it? It is. (laughs) You know what? Just as you said that and you came closer and I saw your earrings, you said, let's just, yeah. Yeah. Then I'm like, her earrings are these (laughs) awesome big silver circles that say, yeah. Yeah. Nah. The other one says, nah. Nah. Classic Australian. Yeah, nah, I'll just leave it with that. It has been an absolute pleasure meeting you and um, speaking with you and I really appreciate you sharing your time and I hope you have a lovely evening. I will. Thank you. It was lovely to meet you and it was lovely to chat. It was fantastic. Thank you. This podcast is not a licensed mental health provider. It represents the personal opinions and experiences of individuals. No content should be taken as professional advice or recommendation.